and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. I have no idea what we're listening to. Welcome back once again, Bread and Circuses Podcast. I am Rooster here with Crow. But Crow, before you tell me anything, I need to ask you a question. Sure. Why is it that you are such a raging white supremacist bigot? It's very clear to everybody that that's the case. I just need you to explain that to me. Um, Reclaiming my time. Uh, Trump said it's okay. <laughs> I'm making fun of the Bill Barr yeah. hearing, which was a shit show. Attorney General Bill Barr was uh, testifying to Congress for something. I don't even know what. <laughs> yeah. It was a. It was a. Um, you know, um, it was bread and circuses. Is what it was. Yeah, that's um, all it was. It was the Democrats trying to get like little sound bites, sound bites that they could put out and say, "I really, I really gave it to that Bill Barr." Well, the best one was Hank Johnson. You know, uh, Guam's going to tip over, that guy? Yeah, he said that uh, if you put too many people on one side of Guam, it'll dial in. He was a, uh, it'll tip. concerned that uh, if you if you have too many people on Guam, it, it might tip over. And <laughs> that guy. Anyway, he said to Barr, he goes, uh, Holder didn't uh, ever commute or he didn't uh, change any sentencing or anything like that. And he says, but you've done this twice. And uh, he says, you know, like uh, Roger Stone, you changed his sentencing. And Barr goes, no, I didn't. <laughs> and and uh, Hank Johnson was like, uh, uh, it, here, uh, uh, it says right here you did. <laughs> I didn't do it. Uh, well, anyway, when you change that, <laughs> he had he could not work off anything other than the paper he had in yeah, front the of man, him. The man's not quick on his feet. Yeah. And then uh, – then there was another one where I can't remember who it was. Is that it was, Maisie Hirano? No. This was uh, – she's a senator. Oh, This okay. was in the House. Uh, no, it was the – I've never heard of her before. She's an Indian woman. She's real pinch-faced. Yeah. Uh, Indian woman who was uh, – She looks real sour. She looks like an apple that's been carved into the face of a human and then left out in the sun. <laughs> racist. <laughs> You're so racist. I know because that's like something that racists say about people of color all the time. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a dog whistle. It's a trope. <laughs> it's a tropey dog whistle. Look it up. <laughs> isn't isn't dog whistle a trope? Ooh, yes. It is. It you you double troped. <laughs> can you triple trope? That would be that would be like a big deal. How many triple tropes per uh, podcast can You're a double can... double Lindsay off a backflip? <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I can't remember who it was who was given Barr a hard time, wouldn't let him answer anything. And he finally goes, well, this is a hearing. Am I – I thought you brought me here because you wanted to hear from me <laughs> or words to that yeah. effect. No, it was – he was there just to be, you know, a uh, target for their speeches they wanted to give for an election year. Yep. And I, I was a little – I mean, I understand he, he kept his cool. Um but watching it, it was so frustrating. He, he actually would allow them to talk over him. Now, I don't I don't think it was bad that he didn't try to get in a shouting match with them. That's fine. But he, you could tell a couple times he was just a couple a couple words from finishing his sentence before they 
would just like scream at him and then like try to talk over him and he would stop and he wouldn't continue. And I'd be like, just finish the sentence. Regardless of whether or not anybody hears you, just finish your point. I don't know. It would make me feel better. I don't know if it'd make, if it, if it helped him at all, or if it helped the proceeding proceedings, but don't allow them to shut you up like that and cut you off and then just sit there and take it. I get it. You got to decorum and all that, but they don't deserve that. Well, I, you know, normally I would agree with you on something like that, but I think Barr has been around long enough and been on Capitol Hill long enough to know what the story is on this stuff. It's not meant to let him answer and have a say. It's all of these questions from all the representatives and senators they do. Are, it's just trickery. That's all it is. Yeah. It's verbal prestidigitation. I almost got it out the first almost. time. Try it. Okay, Sleight of hand, you know. Uh, and and on the other side of this, and we can talk about the the tech hearing they had before. Uh, Matt Gates, who I like, uh, he pulled the same stupid little kind of trick on the CEOs of those tech companies when he said, hey, you know, uh, I think American companies should have American values, and wouldn't you all agree? And there's four of them, and nobody knows when to jump in. And he waits like half a beat and goes, oh, I'm sorry to hear that none of you agree with that. It's like, stop yeah. doing that shit. Yeah, that's and that's all Barr's hearing was from the Democrats. But when when one of, when these congresspeople pull this kind of shit – you know, that's they're they're all about the decorum of the of this hallowed institution. And if you you know, they got their little gavel. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Jerry Nadler. Nadler has his little gavel that he loves loves holding on to um, when he's not napping. Yeah, uh, they're all about that. If you disrespect them in any way, they're really butthurt about it, um, or they pretend to be at least. And a lot of these people that do the testifying, you can tell, are just very frustrated with the whole thing. And they're trying, they're biting their tongue. They're being very proper. It's a good thing as a, just a regular citizen, they didn't have some, have somebody like me. And I'm saying there's a lot of people with my attitude that would go in there and say, fuck off, fuck right off. And then they would, you know, you know, do whatever they censure, whatever the hell they do. You'd end up getting a fine or jail time mm-hmm. or some shit like that. But they absolutely deserve it. You get a harshly worded letter. But they're like decorum decorum my fucking ass you know you blew that right off the bat with the way you're acting right now you're acting like fucking children you know so i don't know i couldn't handle i can't even handle watching it without getting like enraged he was doing a good job of just sort of mocking him though yeah no i'm not gonna say he didn't i'm just saying there's instances where where just a little bit of pushback would have been okay it wouldn't it wouldn't have made him look bad i don't think i thought he did a decent amount i mean he did enough that was necessary you know but I just I, – I think uh, one of the most uh, – there was a, a business partner of uh, ours one time that one of our other business partners was – guy was just hollering at him the whole time. First guy yelling at the second guy. And uh, it was just irrational shit he was throwing out there. <laughs> Finally, the second guy goes, are you done? And he was, no, goddammit, I'm not done. Started up again. He didn't have anything. But it was bothering the first guy. That the second guy wasn't buying into it and getting all fired up because he wanted to butt heads. He wanted to make it an issue. And well, I guess just like I heard you and move on. I, I, I guess the the clips I saw, you could clearly see Barr was getting irritated. Well, you'd have to be. And when he got irritated and then he kind of shut his mouth and just go and sit back and like purse his lips. I think it would have been better just to finish his sentence, finish what he's saying, not shout, not raise his voice and try to talk above the person, the congressperson that's yelling at him, but just finish the sentence as if they're not even there. 
I would have I would appreciate that more. It's just it's just a style thing. For well, me. he did that a few times, and then they just yelled "reclaiming my time" over the top of him. Yeah, that's I've I've so childish. Heard that phrase more times in the last two years than I've ever heard it in my life. Yeah, well, uh, Maxine Waters was the one I first heard it from. The one I first heard do it was uh, what's her name from Michigan? Member of the squad. Uh, I don't know. You know her. The Muslim woman, uh, impeach the motherfucker oh, yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, I can't. Rashida Tlaib. There we go. Yeah. Reclaiming yeah. my time. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's it's stupid. I'm tired of it. But I thought Barr handled himself well. There's nothing that's going to change in that. Oh. Uh, do you have a problem? Oh, the, you, you broke a little beer tab. My tab did not pop the top. Wow. It sounds like a personal problem. Now what do I do? I don't know. I can't help you with oh. that. There you go. He improvised. Yeah, I MacGyvered it. Lose, use a little Yankee ingenuity. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Is that a derogatory term? Oh, do you want to find out what that that uh, opener? Music yeah, was? tell me. That was the Wall of Moms that were um, protesting against the um, Fed Feds coming in and protecting the. Oh, the moms. Feds that have always been there. Yeah, coming in. Yep, coming in and rounding people up. Well, the Wall of Moms that we talked about in the last podcast, which are half of them are just Antifa dressed up in their little mom shirts that say actually printed on a mom. <laughs> um, they started sing-songing, hands up, please don't shoot me. In a, you know, like a child's, uh, you know, a child's like, uh, uh, you know, rhyming fashion, like a, uh, like a bedtime song. And uh, it, it was just like so cringy. So fucking cringy. You know what would be funny is to have a bunch of counter protesters with shirts that said motherfucker on them. That would have been awesome. <laughs> just stand in front of the agents, like facing the wall of mothers. Yeah. <laughs> just wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just one big eye winking at him. <laughs> There's a big question mark on her motherfucker. <laughs> we didn't talk about this last time, the tactics of the anti on the left and the... We talked a little bit. The green laser thing. Oh, yeah. Bit. That's the new thing. Mm-hmm. Where when I first saw the lasers being used, um, I knew exactly right away what was happening because you'd see a laser. Because sh- all the times you did it, no. <laughs> um, the you'd see because green lasers they use green, not red, because green's a more powerful laser. Um, and there's did you learn that from Johnny Quest? Yes, and you can buy these some of these lasers on the internet that are so powerful that they'll actually like pop balloons. You know about the the um, they're industrial strength lasers you can actually get them as a civilian and do they go pew pew when you pull the trigger <laughs> yeah they go <laughs> but people got in trouble for shining them at air- airplanes because they'll reach up to that height and shine into the cockpit of an airplane flying yep and you'll get a lot of trouble for that if they catch you doing it but they were they've been doing it at these protests where you've you've actually seen quite a bit lately in, in the most recent video a lot of these green lasers you, know, you see all of a wiggly laser show up on the uh, on the uh, police and and they're trying to you know trying to like steady their aim to get to their eye and but they've done it uh, three supposedly at this point are permanently blinded and I don't know if like permanently like completely blinded just impairment or, yeah you know, probably just impaired but they're calling it blind um, but they've permanently injured the eyes of these agents uh, I'm telling you if you're permanently trying to maim anybody that's that's you can defend that with lethal force yeah I just. I'm sorry. I I felt like this when I saw the rioting in Philadelphia. I mentioned this before when they were just pouring into and then out of this what appeared to be it wasn't I don't think it was a CVS or anything and maybe out east it's a it's a chain 
but it looked to me like a mom and pop sort of drugstore on the corner. It was after they'd, you know, uh, trashed a bunch of these cop cars and everything. And I, I, this helicopter's flying around, and I was thinking, what if they just shot one rioter? Just one. Intellectual exercise. What would happen then? And I think all of these Antifa people are thinking nothing can happen to them because nothing's going to happen to them. And uh, not that I think this is a good idea, but there's a sort of visceral reaction I have to, what if they just shot one of them? They can tell you what will happen. Same thing that happens when they block the freeways and some of them get run over. They just go back and do it again. You think they would? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't they're, think they're they would. Not, they're, they're not clear thinkers. I, don't, I they think don't, they don't understand consequence. I think if you told all of these people, hey, tonight, go out and do your thing. Oh, but there's about a 25% chance you could be shot. I think half of those people would bail. I don't think so. I think half of them would. I think they think, nope, not me. Yeah. I I think they would think that until it happened. Just like with the uh, rope, uh, the freeway protests. Well, I'm not going to be the one run over. I'll jump out of the way. This... Uh, Garrett, what's his name? The guy in Austin who got shot? The guy that had the AK that had the yeah, who uh, didn't, quadriplegic who, girlfriend that he was just pushing around with a wheelchair and who, minding his own business. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't a quadriplegic. She was a quad quad amputee. Oh, yeah, that's different. Yeah. But uh, he had said, you know, the people were up against, he's like, I'm a libertarian, but the people were up against her too big of pussies to do anything about it. And then he clearly, I don't know if he had his weapon from the pictures pointed at the car. But he had it in had, like at least a low ready, ready position. Yeah. He had he had the stock in his shoulder. Yeah, uh, it looked like from the picture at the time the picture was taken, the still that we see, it was in the low ready, which means you have the stock uh, up at your shoulder. You have your hand on the the. You're ready uh, to raise it and fire, yeah, and you, you got both hands on it in a firing position, and it's just slightly low, so you could raise it up in a in a split second to fire it. So if you're in that position approaching somebody. You might as well be pointing your gun at them. Especially if they're in a car yeah. and you're standing up. So you're already above them. Yeah. You're coming at them with aggression at that point. Yeah. It doesn't have to be aimed directly at them. But those, there were a lot of, if you see the video, uh, there's a lot of people in that uh, crowd who were like, they, they were like, no, no. They couldn't believe this guy got shot. Like you, you bring a gun to that situation well, it's You're, the same situation. We'll bring it up again. James Fields at the um, at when he he was the first guy to get charged for running over a protester uh, that was at the Charlotte um, Charlottesville Charlottesville um, where uh, where Trump said that uh, all the white supremacists were very very good people. Remember mm -hmm. that? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's what happened. Trump, yeah, that's Trump not what happened. Nazis and white supremacists are very good people. Yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> You're trying to bait me, <laughs> trying to do it. So, anyways, I worked. James. I worked out that rage earlier today. Okay. So that James Fields, um, what happened was there were armed protesters, armed rioters. Um, they converged on a lot of these, um, you know, white, admittedly white nationalist protesters. But they have every right to be out there protesting. They weren't being violent. They were with their little polos and their tiki torches. Um, you know, they were saying. You know, they will not replace us or Jews will not replace us. Sure. You know, you can think that's abhorrent. I don't care. They have a right to say it. Um, yeah. If you're going to defend free speech, you can't defend free speech for some. And they weren't being violent and they had a right to be there. And then the police then um, allowed the, the counter-protesters to come in and basically just have at them. 
And these, once it got to the point where people that were tangentially involved that didn't understand the whole situation, like this James Fields that just showed up and thought, oh, I'm just, you know, on the, on the conservative side that wants to protect these monuments. He shows up and he um, gets cornered, tries to leave. And guys with guns are surrounding his car, beating on it with sticks and breaking out his taillights. And he freaks out and takes off and hits somebody. And he got like, what, 400 year sentence or some shit? Yeah, Something ridiculous to make an example of him. They should revisit that. He should get he should get a retrial for this. Yeah. Because he, they've gone to prove that it's completely understandable what he did. Now, I don't think it's good <laughs> that he plowed into a group of people and, and a girl died. No. But it wasn't egregious... Um, intent on his part to try to kill somebody or injure somebody he was just freaked out and wanted to get away from that situation so you say but a jury of his peers said differently sir i'm sure yeah so well you had a topic Uh, i used it oh that was my uh the bill Barr thing well do you want to talk about a little bit well let's talk about something local the mayor in minneapolis here Came out and said that... Uh, Submarined all the businesses? Yeah, said that mm, yeah. Uh, bars, you can't serve, uh, basically close down if you have a bar. Um, you have to close down. Um, because, the bar. Yeah. So here... So you can so you can still drink inside at a bar as long as you're seated at a table ordering food. Right. But you can't go up to the bar and order. So you can't can go up to the bar. You can't go up to the bar. You can't sit at the bar. You can't loiter at the bar. Yeah, so uh, he issued an emergency regulation Wednesday night. This is, we're recording uh, Thursday. Thursday. Yesterday. Ordering the closure of all indoor bar areas. Take uh, effect on Saturday. So uh, all areas within restaurants, clubs, tap rooms, other indoor spaces required to close. The high tops and tables can stay open as long as the customers continue to follow state guidelines, blah, 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 blah. So here we, um, here's his statement. Across the country, we've seen data clearly show that a night out at the bar is leading to nights in the hospital for family, friends, and neighbors. By focusing on bar areas, which are proven to be hotbeds for congregation and community spread. Uh, what? So what about protests? That's not proven? Oh, but see, that's your First Amendment right. You know right. why it's not proven? Because they chose not to prove it. Right. Um, we can help keep Minneapolis uh, trends stable. That commitment to public health gives us the best shot at both protecting frontline workers, a disproportionate share of whom are people of color, and keeping our businesses open. But they're not open. And so a place like... What a fucking virtue signal, by the way. Well, so he's basing it on, he says, 14 bars. They can trace it back to 14 bars that have been epicenters. He says, you can't have more than one epicenter, okay? You can't. He says, these 14 bars have been epicenters for all of this spread. What he doesn't mention is 14 bars are statewide, but this will affect 640 plus Minneapolis bars and idiots like Jacob Fry, who don't know anything about business or anything other than how to put enough moose in your hair to try and sort of look good on TV. He, that's all he knows how to do. That's all he's good for. I guarantee you the guy's going to try and run for governor at some point. (laughs) He's going to try. He's going to fail miserably, but... Uh, anyway, and he'll spend a life in politics somewhere. But he thinks, uh, you know, this that's fine. These businesses will be okay. And then you take someone, the, one of the ones I heard mentioned uh, was Tony Jaro's, which is a bar in North Minneapolis. It's been there for a long time. I think, uh, what are they, it's a Green Meanies or whatever. Really, it's a pretty good drink. And a couple of them lock you on your can. 
but they're all indoor. That's it. I mean, they're a bar sort of like Cheers is. You know, you walk in, the bar's in the middle, and basically you sit around it. That's yeah. it. So they have to push all the tables out at the outer edge of the walls. No, there are no tables, Ajaro's. Well, they have to get the card tables and folding tables. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to. So he's like, but people can go two miles away and drink at the bars. But it's it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's it makes nonsense. no sense it's whatsoever. It's nonsense. Cool. Right. If you're going to still allow people to come in and sit at a table and, and, and drink and eat the same things they've been drinking and eating at the bar and order and drink, there is no, there's no difference in any of that at all. Well, but think about this. If you are, let's say you just stay at home. Right? You haven't left the house since March. How did you get your groceries and how did you get your food? Someone brought it to you. Who had the COVID. Well, the point is, if you're staying home, but you're making someone else bring your stuff to you, you're not helping the situation at all. And that person that's delivering to you, I've actually read stories about people that were doing it saying, yeah, I know that person that was delivering food, relative of mine, friend of mine. He was sick as shit when he was doing it. Yeah. So, but my point is you're not staying at home yeah. if you're having someone else deliver your stuff. Well, it's you, no different than you going out to get it. It doesn't matter that it doesn't really make sense and it doesn't really help anything because uh, Fry said the order was developed, quote, through a racial equity lens, unquote. What the fuck does that mean? Since black residents account for 34% of positive cases, but only 19% of the population. Boom, mic drop. Really? Yeah. Can I pick that mic up and hand it back to you and say, what I would the fuck pick it does up that and mean? shove it up his ass, but he liked that. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, I understand the him shove it up his ass part. I want to go back to what you said before that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also said. Equity, when you hear the term a racial equity, um, punch somebody in the throat. I don't care who. Whoever's <laughs> near. As long as they're not a friend or family member. Racial equity. <laughs> racial equity. <laughs> 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 um. He also said in there that most of the uh, most of the workers at these bars and restaurants are minorities. That's not true. No, he no, he didn't. He said um, he said that in a previous statement, though. No, that when I oh okay, so you're not going off what I just read. No, he was because, talking about the mask thing. Yeah, he he's saying protecting frontline workers, a disproportionate share of them are people of color. Dis- explain to me that. How are a disproportionate number of frontline workers? Dis- dis- how are they people of color? Well, because he only wants white people working there. That's no, what he's I, saying. I just I can't I can't understand where he's coming. No, is that what just he's, a, did he misspeak there? No, what he's saying is they should all be white. That's what he's saying. Frontline workers. So he wants the best shot at, at at protecting frontline workers, and then he goes on to say a disproportionate share of whom are people of color. So he's saying frontline workers in Minnesota disproportionately are people of color. Yeah, what he's saying is they should all be white. <laughs> That's what he's saying in that sentence, isn't he? I guess. Because proportionately, if there's only he's saying 90% of the Minnesota population is is black, and there's more black um, people in uh, frontline. What, what he's you, saying there's too many. That's what yeah, he's saying. Yeah. I mean, he's okay. look. He's a man child. He's an idiot. He has no idea what he's doing. So he consulted with Andy Slavitt, former acting commissioner of the Centers for Medical and Medicaid Services under President Barack Obama, in drafting the regulation. Slavitt, a resident of Edina, said on Twitter earlier this month that he asked Governor Tim Walz to reclose all bars for indoor service in the state. I know Mayor Fry has spent a lot of time looking at all sides of this issue, including the rate of case growth and what happens if that should continue, Slavitt commented. After seeing what is happening around the country and consulting with our best epidemiologists, Who's best epidemiologist? I still have to know. Nobody knows who Walls is consulting. 
when it comes to all the stats. It's all bullshit. Right. Uh, there is no question in my mind that he has made the correct but difficult decision and, and parsed the details appropriately. There's a direct correlation of when indoor bars close and how quickly the spread is reduced. Okay, tell me about the correlation of all these uh, block parties and protests. They, they can't because they, I'm sorry, what? they, they refuse to. Did you ask me a question? You're, uh, the feed cut out there for a minute. Yes. I didn't hear what you said. So, uh, you know, they, they shut down the State Fair because of COVID, right? And they were afraid of, of the cases for, for the State Fair. So State Fair shut down. Sorry, the feed cut out again. Yeah. I didn't hear your question. So State Fair voluntarily shut down because they knew they'd get shut down regardless, right? But there's a black business fair that's been announced for August. So there's a big uh, banner here online here that says... Uh, Baked Brand Presents Black State Fair, August 16th through the 23rd, um, Saturday through Sunday, Monday through Friday, all black businesses, food, merch, spoken word, kids zone, resources for the black community, school supply giveaway. So uh, this is from Alpha News. Despite shutting down the Minnesota State Fair due to COVID-19 concerns, Minnesota officials are allowing multiple black businesses uh, events to be promoted. While many events such as State Fair and Twin Cities in Motion Races have been canceled, two new events have been announced in August. They include the Reimagined 38th Street and Black State Fair, both of which are designed to promote black businesses. So, so that's not gonna that's not gonna spread COVID, even though disproportionately people of color, the POCs, are disproportionately affected by COVID because it's racist. But they're gonna they're gonna thumb their nose at it and say, fuck you, COVID, you white supremacist disease. We're gonna we're we're gonna have our parties and we're gonna twerk our asses off. So, should we uh, apply to have a booth to sell uh, Bread and Circus's merch at the All Black oh, Fair? Yeah, and, and then, then and, say, oh, and then claim we're being discriminated against. I'll say it's a, a black owned business because I can identify at least at that point. That's true. I will identify again. Yeah. as a disabled uh, black lesbian both mentally and physically disabled, by the way. And if they say, no, you can't, then you can just point out how bigoted they are. Because they won't have a black woman of color like yourself. Oh, and you know they're they're building a permanent memorial to George Floyd now on 30th? No, by permanent, I mean, what do you mean? In the chop zone? It's going to be, it's a sculpture out of butter. (laughs) Well, Minnesota will be safe six months out of the year. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't, it, it's, like I said, cloud cuckoo land times. Yeah, so that, I'm, I'm just flowing from one topic to this. Go right topic. ahead, sir. So Minneapolis is set to install a permanent monument honoring George Flo- St. George Floyd. I forgot. St. George? Say that. Saint. Isn't there a St. George already? That's why I have to say St. George Floyd. Okay. Why don't okay. they call him St. Floyd? I'm pretty sure and, there's and no St. Floyd. I love all the, the murals they paint of him and all the, all the, pictures they paint as the that selfie he took of himself where he looks half retarded hey you can't say that you can't say half that diminishes him uh a full retardo i forgot yeah don't ever go half go full <laughs> um but it's like you, you know the look no Everybody's you're, seen it you're never supposed to go full retard yeah <laughs> the permanent monument will cost at least fifty thousand dollars the sum of a planning grant provided by the national trust for historic preservation so the National Trust for Historic Preservation is nowhere to be found when they're taking down all these statues of Columbus. And I don't know why my computer keeps doing that lately. But then uh, Columbus and, and founding fathers that are getting burned and destroyed and even abolitionists that are getting destroyed. Uh, the NTHP is nowhere to be found. But now they're going to uh, 
put fifty thousand dollars of, of money to a planning grant uh, to to give to a, a permanent George Floyd Memorial in in Minneapolis's very own shop zone. Do you hear about this? Yeah, it's kind 30, of an- it's thirty eighth in Chicago. It's been it's been blocked off with barricades with cement barricades since since this incident went down, and police are saying, yeah, we're not going there. Uh, it's not getting reported, but the crimes up there, murders are murders not not up there and specifically I don't think, but shootings are up, uh, drug overdoses are up, uh, sexual assaults, all that kind of stuff, and police aren't going there. That's the white man's lie. Yeah. So it's going to take the this memorial is going to take place the temporary memorial at the same site. Um, yeah, so there's, oh, it's a beautiful, mo- I'm looking at a picture here. I, I'm not going to paint, I'm not going to paint a word picture for you, but it's beautiful, I'll just tell you that much. Uh, so, Is it exquisite? The de- exquisite, yes. The decision to enshrine Floyd's image came after Minneapolis held over 40 listening sessions per a city official who spoke with TMZ about the matter. These sessions consisted of local government hearing from citizens about how they believe Floyd should be remembered. Sorry, St. Floyd should be remembered. Uh, in addition to the 50,000 memorial, the same source reports that the street may be renamed in Floyd's honor or a plaque may be placed. Uh, that grant comes as part of a wider $1.6 million grant to 27 sites to help preserve American history. So that's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so just to make sure there wasn't a St. Floyd, I Googled St. George. It. No, listen. I Googled St. Floyd because I know there's a St. George. Yeah. And I got from USA Today, month after George Floyd's death, what's next for Minneapolis and St. Paul? It, <laughs> it's a USA Today article from June 25th that pulls up George Floyd. St. Floyd. I started calling him St. Floyd before anybody else. Or no, I said St. George. St. George. Right. But St. George is taken. Yeah. So I said St. Floyd first, and I said it here today. Did you hear that Minneapolis City Council voted to take over the the position of uh, police spokesperson? Yeah. Isn't Correct. that awesome? Because there wasn't a guy in Europe who did stuff like that 70 years ago. Minneapolis Police Department soon won't be allowed to handle its own public, public relations <laughs> if the city council gives final approval to a new measure that had already been signaled unanimously. Uh, can't say that. Everybody did it. Yeah, supported for it. Um, the Minneapolis City Council unanimously, there we go, voted for a measure Wednesday to eliminate the Minneapolis Police Department's public information officer and move the position under city control. This measure requires, so um, Keith Ellison's son will be the one speaking for the police. At this really? Point. No, I don't. I'm just assuming. Oh, I was going to say, if that was the case. It requires a final vote Friday before taking effect, but they'll, they'll, they'll get that vote. Um, if that if that was the case, just get him a big old wig and a nose because the circus has come to town. So uh, Minneapolis's public information officer functions as a spokesperson for the department. The council says that the standing PIO's description of George Floyd's death as medical incident very, very shortly after his passing destroyed, destroyed the public trust to the point where the police could no longer be allowed to handle their own public relations. So a guy comes out. Um, and says it was a medical incident, which technically it was. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to all he was trying to do, you know, he was not dead when he went in the ambulance. Not in, he wasn't elegant about it, but what he was trying to do is like to keep emotions from bubbling over. Didn't do a great job, obviously, but it wasn't uh, egregious lying or anything. It wasn't misrepresentations. It was just trying to, you know, it was using words to. You know, try not to elevate or to instigate anything. And he didn't do a good job of it. 
So, so he wasn't Jacob frying it. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to see who they're going to put. We need to safeguard and rebuild public chart. Trust Schroeder said. I don't know who's Schroeder. Uh, member Schroeder and Steve Fletcher. Oh, they're the members of the uh, city council. Uh, we need to safeguard and rebuild public trust in defense of the measure, uh, he's saying. And right now, shifting these operations to the city rather than the MPD is one thing we can do to restore trust and save costs in the process. Oh, they're, I mean, they're, they're looking out for the taxpayer money, too. So, I mean, I can understand that now. What are they going to do if, in big cities, if the cops just leave? If they just can't hire people to be the cops, what are they going to do? Well, they'll just... Um, uh, what is it? They'll um, allow citizen patrols, um, citizen militia patrols, and so you'll have the Shari- well, that'll work out. You'll have the Sharia comply c- control in Little Mogadishu, yeah, which they already have. You know yep. that, right? Yep. So they have uh, men in Little Mogadishu in Minneapolis here in cars that look like police cars. They don't have the lights, but they're mm-hmm. like decked out to be painted like a police car, and then they come out and they have these uniforms. That say I don't know Sharia compliance or something. It doesn't say Sharia compliance. And they've got utility belts too. Yeah, yeah. They they try to look the part of security or they police. just don't have guns. Yeah, and uh, they are just citizen patrols. They're just patrolling it, but they're basically Sharia compliance is what they are. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're not uh, a Muslim or, or Somali in that area, you will be targeted. But that that's okay because you know you don't belong there. Um, but well, we can agree on that. Yeah. But it's just like I said last episode, they've got, uh, they had these um, quote unquote militia groups showing up that were patrolling to keep the peace. And maybe they were doing some good, possibly. Problem with that is, is that they were all black and they were openly Second Amendment Amendment proponents and carrying guns. And the media was fawning over them, Mm -hmm. helping them promote their um, business venture and all that. And if anybody else that had the name had any kind of indication that that they were going to try to community patrol um, and they weren't majority black, they would be completely, um, you know, shouted down. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. ex- vilified. Vilified. That's the word. I was excoriated. Thank you. Excoriated, vilified um, as racists, uh, militia, you know, um, white nationalists, whatever, even if they had black people or, or uh, minorities in the group. You know, as long as it wasn't, you know, uh, run by black. So it's just this double standard that's completely. But yeah, they're they're not they're, they're not concerned about this. They want this kind of um, um, racial kind of, uh, you know, um, tension. Yeah, thank you. You're really helping me today. I am. Uh, racial tension. They want it because it, it, any kind of um, uh, public tension or public um, disharmony. Wow, upheaval. I was going to say is kind of it helps their marxist How agenda pedestrian a word is up here. remember we talked about this before too I'm, I'm trying to get through these as fast as possible we talked about this too that uh, jacob fry has people uh in his advisory council that are you know less than stellar criminals maybe yeah i mean i guess and by criminals i mean felons have a record yeah there's an update on a case we talked about before so here's the headline federal gun drug charges for former policy fellow to minneapolis mayor fry Following his initial arrest last February, a former criminal justice policy advisor for Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry has now been federally indicted on gun and drug charges. Uh, he is he had uh, charges for intent to distribute cocaine and for being a felon in per- per- possession of a firearm. Lies. 
Uh, his name is Keegan Jamal Rolink. Rolance, Rolink, R-O-L-E-N-C. Uh, was cited in the Department of Justice's Armed Career Criminal Act. <laughs> so an armed career criminal that Jacob Fry has as a fellow, as an advisor about what to do about public safety and police. You don't understand. He's just giving him a chance, and he's done a great job at this yeah. job. He was a policy fellow for Mayor Fry until February when he was arrested. Uh, at the time, he was charged locally with similar charges. Now it's federal. But I'm I'm guessing he has a long resume of uh, you know policy matters, and that's why he got that job. Yeah, he's a he's a multi-time felon with prior convictions on two felony counts of drive-by shooting and second-degree assault in connection with a 2011 gang-related shooting where shots were fired at an occupied home and vehicle. Rolink also has two felony narcotic convictions and a felony conviction for third-degree assault. You're judging this man too harshly. He was doing a great job and getting his life turned around. Yep, yeah. So this is all lies. I mean, I might as well, I mean, I shouldn't even repeat these lies, but according to the allegations in the federal indictment, on or about February 2nd, 2020, Rolink was found to be in possession of a 9mm semi-automatic pistol, a digital scale, and a distributable amount of cocaine during a traffic stop. Listen, a man's got a right to defend himself, Okay. Uh, he he's on a new diet. He's trying to keep track of his food intake and that package. He was just holding it for a friend. Yeah. He doesn't know what was in it. Was it Mayor Fry? I don't know. Okay. So he he was in Fry's ear, whispering in Fry's ear about what Fry should do about um, police and, and about uh, what? Uh, defunding, maybe? Best way to distribute uh, two kilos of cocaine, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> How to make it easy? Make his life easier, maybe? Yeah. As a criminal, I mean, it's just—I mean, this is the stuff that the media doesn't touch. What was media. one of the defenses of him? I—I I could have this wrong, but I thought there was someone who was defending him, saying, "Hey, look, you don't make a lot of money at this job, so it's not surprising <laughs> they go back to crime." Uh, I could have sworn there was somebody probably. who was defending him like that because they were like, "He only makes forty-two thousand dollars in this job," you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. You want to keep going? Well, I had one that you were – I was thinking of when you were uh, talking about this stuff. You know, we made a prediction on the last podcast oh, yeah. that took less than 24 hours to come true. <laughs> yeah. We said that uh, some member of the Not Fucking Around Coalition was going to shoot somebody of their own side. Yeah. And that afternoon, somebody in the NFAC shot three of other members. Yeah. But did you see the follow-up to this? No. Grandmaster Jay's video? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> Which was debunked by both Larry Correa and Brandon Tatum, mm -hmm. who know a little bit about firearms. Yeah. Brandon Tatum was a former officer, former SWAT member. Yeah, in Phoenix. And Larry Correa is a former uh, gun gun store owner, owner. firearms instructor. Yeah, all yeah. kinds of gun stuff. He knows, so, he knows his shit. So uh, Grandmaster Jay gets on there and he goes, here's my first weapon, my AR-15. He pulls the bolt back. Mm -hmm. And then he bangs it on the table, and the bolt slams shut. Now that would have just fired. He that goes, gun <laughs> just fired. <laughs> and then Brandon Tatum goes, here, here's my fully loaded AR-15. He pulls the bolt back, slams it down, and it closes. He goes, see? If that was the case here, it would fire every time I do this. And he's ejecting yep. bullets out. So, yep. yeah. These guys, he's like, the idea that these guys are tactical experts is a joke. Don't even try. He said, "You're uh, my word, not his." They're cosplaying out there. Yeah, and they're more They're more. Their their goal is to show numbers, is to say, "Look at how many of us there are." 
And it doesn't matter that he said we're all, f- you know, mil- ex-military, very highly trained. Expert marksmen. No, none of you are. Not right. even you, Grandmaster Jay. Uh, you're all assholes. And you're you're allowing people just to show up as long as they got the, the, the cosplay gear and mm-hmm. they looked the part, then they could be part of it. You know, this he said, well, it was a woman who was a trainee who who misfired her her gun and while well, she was checking her weapon. You know, these things happen. If she's a trainee, she's pretty good to manage to shoot three people yeah. that fast. Yeah, these things happen though. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. It's an accident. Uh, it happens. No, they don't. <laughs> well, in Virginia, how many people were at the uh were at the Second Amendment rally this year? Quite a few. Hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah. And nobody got shot. And they cleaned up everything afterwards, too. So these guys had like 50 of them and managed to shoot three of their own. It's crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, his video was, it was the height of stupid. He doesn't know anything about that gun. No. So, yeah. And he was like, if you drop it, this gun will go off. And Larry Correa goes, yeah, if you drop it from a helicopter. It reminds me of that video. If people haven't seen this, you you have to look it up. There's a um, demonstration by the police department that to go into an inner city school to talk about why why uh, you know guns are dangerous and only people only professionals should handle them did you see this one yeah and the guy shot himself so this in the guy, leg of it? this guy was so arrogant you could tell he was just a cocky fuck um, and he was a police officer probably had no no business being a police officer you know we know how he got there we know somebody drove him yeah no okay. how, how he got to be a police officer Mm-mm. Oh, affirmative action much Anyway. Oh, because he was black. Yeah, so big dude, big dude, dreadlocks. You could tell he just thought he was the shit. Goes strutting in there telling the kids, now, this is, these are all the weapons we carry. And this is why you shouldn't carry them because we are trained professionals. Pulls out his gun, shoots himself in the foot. <laughs> I did see the video, but yeah. And all the kids scream and they and they sit down. He goes, oh, oh, shit. Okay. All right. Oh, hold on. Hold on. This happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on and he goes, all right, all right. And he puts the gun away. He goes, uh, he motions over to a, to another officer that's there that has an, an AR-15. Yeah. Goes, now this is an AR-15. Everybody's like, no, no, put it away. <laughs> so he was going to continue with the demonstration after shooting himself in the foot. Uh, he goes, oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. But, all right. Let's, uh, let's do some 3,000 questions about me. Let's We're not answer. doing them all. Oh, you don't think so? That joke's not getting old, is it? Yeah. All right. Uh, we haven't skipped one yet, so we're, we're going down the list here. I'm just trying to figure out how many in it's going to be before you go, this one, this is dumb. Yeah. I should skip this one. I don't think I will. All right. Rooster. This one might be tough to, on the spot to think of. When and where were you the happiest? It's hard to remember uh, past these last, you know, six months <laughs> being happy. Happiest? I don't know. Um, probably doing stuff with my kids, just outside sports, things like that. Yeah, yeah. I know I did the kids' answer last time, but they just add a whole new level of meaning to your life. I think. Yeah, I don't How about know. you. I, I'm just different levels of sour. Yeah, I know. So when was I least sour? Um, <laughs> probably during my wedding. I'm just making shit up. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. The birth of my, of my, uh, you know, parakeet. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Birth of your undying rage. The birth of my undying rage. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know when I was the happiest. That's one of those things where you'd have to sit there and ponder on it and you'd probably be wrong anyway because I think you're probably the happiest. There's times in your childhood where, you know, you're unencumbered by, you know, experience. Yeah. Where something makes you just super happy, like you experience something for the first time. You're like, wow, this is awesome. Well, I get together with some buddies years ago and one of them said uh, – one said, he goes, you know, when, when was the best point of your life? He goes, man, I'd love to go back to college. And I'm like, why? He goes, oh, that was, first of all, he was kind of shy guy. And he thought if he went back to college, he was going to be like this outgoing guy. I'm like, no, you're still going to be who you are. Yeah. You're not going to change. You you might have learned some things, but in the end, if you weren't kind of a seize the day, carpe diem kind of person, you're not going to be. Um, and secondly... He said, you know, I just – I didn't have any responsibilities like I have now. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't have any money and you had to go to class. And you had to do all this stuff on another per, on another schedule and you weren't you weren't going anywhere. I mean this was – yeah, you went out drinking with your friends at night, but it, didn't that get old? I mean now it's like as, a, as another buddy of mine in the same group goes, I can't drink as much as I used to, but now I can afford the good stuff. Yeah. You know. Like when you're a kid, I think the – like the first time you were allowed to – like light the cigarettes, the big fireworks, you know, oh, okay. the July. I thought you were going to be like when you were seven, you smoked for the yeah. first time. That's like, you're pretty <laughs> fucking happy then uh, riding around on your bike. Uh, first time, probably the first time you were able to drive the car. Pretty, pretty happy, pretty excited. I don't know. I was terrified the first time I drove the car. <laughs> I, well, I was like out in the country, so it didn't matter. And my dad was like, all right, we're getting on the freeway. Oh yeah. <laughs> they didn't do the parking lot first. Yeah. But that was working up to the test. Yeah. And you took the test. It was like, you can drive. All right, let's go. So, Yeah, I think probably, there's probably multiple uh, incidents in my childhood where you can point back to when they were happiest. I guess I grew up on a lake, and I think in high school a lot of us just kind of hung out and everything. And that's probably the most carefree time in my life. I can't say I was the happiest because no matter where you are in life, you have worries and concerns and things like that. Yeah. But some of them seem to fade as insignificant when compared to the stuff you're going through now. So I don't know. Maybe then it's kind of a cliched answer. Paying off all my bills. I feel good. You know, there is something to that. There is something when you can, when you have, you've gotten a job and everything and money's coming in and you pay all your bills and you realize there's still money left and you're like, I am self-sufficient. I just saw a video where where a family was, they had their son in the backseat of their car and they were recording him when he got his first check. I saw that. That that was great. It was a black family. He's all mad. And not that that matters, but um, the kid opens up his check he's like you could see he's all giddy he's like my first check and and you could tell the parent or the i think it was like a brother and like a parent i'm not sure exactly who. i think it was his dad and his two brothers yeah and you could tell they knew what was going to happen they knew he was going to see that how many how much taxes were taken out but it wasn't like, even that much like uh, he it was like his check was for 250 and he like, lost 30 dollars yeah, or something out but he was he was like that's that's not, not fair and they're like that's taxes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty good all right Rooster, which talent would you most like to have? I wish I could sing. I honestly do. I can't sing at all. Hmm. So I'm slightly worse at singing than you are. Mm, I was waiting for it. <laughs> a beautiful singer. No, no, you're not. Beautiful. <laughs> no. One of these d- days we're going to have a meetup for the group here, and like one of our like our fancy. The one we were supposed to have for a hundred episodes. Yeah, we'll do something, one. and it'll be a karaoke party afterwards. And uh, you know, and what? you'll and sing, and everyone around. there will look at me like Rooster. You were right. They'll be like, "Damn, Crow, you should be. Uh, you should take over for um, Ozzy." <laughs> <laughs> I went. 
I went out to karaoke once with some buddies of mine, and they were drunk, and they were singing up there. And finally, the bartender yells, "Get off the stage!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What talent would I most like to have? Probably like something in the in the realm of finances. Like to be like really good at um, uh, like investing. Finances are like golf, though. It, it's easy to do, but it's hard to be really, really good. Yeah, at. Like, like to be super talented to know when and how to, to invest and all that. Like those, and, and and to enjoy it, that'd be fun. Nobody's like super I, I talented hate, I at hate, that. I hate dealing with finances, but if you could do like investing and you're good at it, that's pretty impressive. I like that. Yeah, but even those guys, they crash and burn a lot of times. So it, it's just. You should look at finances like golf. It doesn't take much to be able to be good enough to enjoy it, but it takes a lot to be really, really good at it. And if you were really, really good at it, you're working for some big brokerage house and you're under a ton of pressure anyway. Managing your own money, pretty easy if you just do the work. Oh, you know, this would be a good talent to have. Just be a talented writer. I mean, without having... Well, thank you. (laughs) Without having to struggle a lot i mean i get part of it is struggle and there should be some struggle to it but to not to be good enough that you're confident that hey a lot of people want to read my stuff that'd be that'd be a cool thing to have i think even authors who are really good and have published a lot of stuff still have a lot of insecurity about whether or not they can write well but you know when you're talented and you know you know you know when you you know when you have to work hard and you know when it just comes to you i you know i'm I, uh, like I've said many times before, I like reading Lee Child, and he's just retired. So he's turning over Jack Reacher to his younger brother. Um, But he would spend a year writing a book, and he'd say, I still wasn't sure it was that great, you know? And he finally quit because he's like, I just can't do it anymore. I mean, this guy's written 20, 25 books that sell great. And he's just like, I don't don't have it. I'm not. So, I don't know. I think no matter what you are. No matter what you're good at, there's some insecurity there. Yeah. All right. That's enough. we got more topics to get to here. Um, we'll get to them. Uh, did you hear about um, these mysterious packages coming from China that are seeds? I heard I heard something about that. I also heard something about extraterrestrial vehicles that the Pentagon found. So Unsolicited I, seed packets have been arriving in Minnesotans' mail in packages that are labeled as jewelry with instructions for planting the seeds written in English. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture said mysterious packages of seeds that appear to be from China are showing up on the doorsteps of residents. The unsolicited seed packets have been arriving in Minnesotans' mail and packages labeled as jewelry with instructions for planting the seeds written in English. I just said all that all over again. The MDA has asked Minnesotans who received the packages to refrain from planting the seeds and contact the agency, which is currently working with the U.S. Department of Agriculture to identify and destroy the contents. Okay, go ahead. There's a quote. We're uncertain what these seeds may be and why people are receiving these unsolicited packages. Until we know more, we encourage people to contact us because of the risk they may pose to Minnesota agriculture and our natural landscapes. Uh, Denise Theed, the MDA's seed unit supervisor, said in a press release, uh, in addition to the packages with a Chinese label, the MDA released an image of a package with a return address in Kyrgyzstan. (laughs) So here's my question. If you got those seeds in the mail... Would you plant them? I wouldn't, but there are people that would. I would do it. I would get a pot. Oh, you do it like in a self-contained? Yeah, room. I wouldn't do it outside. Yeah, yeah. I would get a pot and plant them and see what the hell happens. Good luck with the uh, with the nanites you'd be releasing uh, uh, in that would get into your lungs. You know what I would say then? Well played, China. <laughs> 
I just have too much curiosity for that stuff. We're not the only state. Washington, Louisiana, Utah, and Virginia have received reports of similar packages. Similarly, similarly, lillery, <laughs> mislabeled as jewelry. The seeds received are apparently of various types. How do you know it's not a jewelry tree? How do you know? Mm, you're growing a, a jewelry tree? Until you plant it. What do you think really is happening here? Do you, do you have an idea? I, you know me. I'm a big Occam's razor guy. Yeah. I think this is just some... You think it's it, a prank? It, there's Look, there are whole stores of unclaimed freight. Shit that gets sent places and people go, we have no idea where this is going. But why label something as jewelry and send it to America as seeds and, because, and then instructions in English? That because takes, people make stupid mistakes. Uh, I'm I'm thinking there's something nefarious going on here. Of course you do, because you think there's something nefarious but, all but the time. This, but this is more, I mean, this is less tinfoil hat, hatty than... But than you're the kind of person stuff. when somebody says, have a nice day, you're like, Fuck I, you. you're like I had other plans, thank yeah. you. You know, well, fuck you very much. Why so, do you fucking care if I have a nice day? <laughs> but I mentioned the thing about the space vehicles. There was something uh, I was watching Tucker the other day and they said, hey, breaking news. We'll get to this later. But they said because uh, this news is just out now. The Pentagon has come out and said they've uh, they have these extraterrestrial vehicles, not of Earth make or whatever. Yeah, I didn't see. And then they go, well, it wasn't the Pentagon. It was this department in the Pentagon. Okay, No, it wasn't. It was this guy. And I didn't hear the whole thing. So it's just I I just don't trust the news media to get anything right until at least two days later. But at, at least so this... I want to find out what the seed thing is, because I think in about two days, someone's going to be like, oh, they're geranium seeds. And they're from a place in Kyrgyzstan through that went through China and they got dispersed through the country. Yeah. You still, I mean, the, it just seems it just all it all fits together so nicely for the conspiracy stuff. You find conspiracies and people waving hello. <laughs> I'm not that bad. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, what does Q say about it? Yeah, exactly. All right. Who's Q? So, <laughs> you know what though? If you just, it'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, everything will be okay. Just sit yeah. on your hands. Just the white hats are in control. Yeah, the white hats are going to take behind care. the scenes. Going to fix everything. Shh. Sit down. Yeah. Um, Minneapolis police investigator blames riots on white supremacist biker. <laughs> Did you hear about this one? Is it the umbrella guy? Umbrella man. Yeah. The guy who first was an Egan or a St. Paul cop. Yep. And uh, his ex-wife said, yep, that's him. Yep. And then they showed video of him coming and going from the St. Paul police station at the time that this would have happened. Yep. So I don't believe any of this bullshit. Police either. investigator, though. It's a police investigator, Rooster, mm, says sure. that the Minneapolis riots were triggered by a lone white supremacist, a claim that is broadly amplified by local media. A lone racist motorcyclist is to blame for triggering the Minneapolis riots. Uh, an arson investigator. It was an arson investigator for the MPD said that an alleged member of the Hell's Angels, no less, who who broke some windows, is ultimately responsible for triggering the riots that occurred in the wake of George Floyd's death. Shortly before rioting began around the 3rd Precinct in Minneapolis in late May, a masked man with an umbrella was filmed smashing windows of an auto zone store. Originally, social media commenters alleged the man was a police officer attempting to incite violence. But now a police investigator has claimed that the man is actually a member of the Hells Angels motorcycle gang. Okay, so I got some questions for you. Do you know any Hells Angels? I can neither confirm nor deny that. Okay. If you were to know if some Hells know, Angels, yes. from what you saw of this guy, does he fit their general description? He does not. And, uh, not at all. Would that be because he might be a little uh, too thin? Just not that they're 
fat or anything. He's just a slight build. Yeah, yeah. He's not built like a brick shit house. <laughs> he doesn't look like a guy who could handle himself. Right. Okay. Uh, another question: The Hell's Angels known to want to start a lot of riots? No. Okay. Because for one thing, a lot of them know that they're under uh, extra scrutiny. Right. And that anything they that would lead back to criminal. Um, entanglements for them they they don't want to deal with they don't want so now the hell's angels are they're not neutered so much but they're but they're they try to stay on the up and up because they know that they have so much scrutiny that because they're getting watched a lot. right that that it would be stupid for them to step out of line everybody thinks their life is like sons of anarchy kind of yeah, stuff no no they, and they have families they have jobs they have jobs and families and they aren't going to do stupid shit like this to to jeopardize any of that and didn't weren't the hell's angels started by like Sort of restless Vietnam vets yeah. in the seventies. Yep, and generally a conservative crowd. Yeah, and there obviously there was there's elements, you know, like there were factions of the Hell's Angels that were into some bad shit. Um, but overall, you've read this. I've right? read. Yeah, yeah, this is all. This is none of this is from firsthand knowledge. Um, but they're they're the this is laughable. I know, but and, you get a mob of Karens. Who believe this stuff, and they think, and and then the fact that you think one lone uh, white supremacist um, smashing windows sparked this whole thing, which absolves every piece of shit that was out there looting and rioting. And why do we? Right, well, that absolves them. It wasn't their fault. Right. First of all, this was happening before that guy started smashing those windows. Yeah. Secondly, um, you know when it when it comes to the when it comes to the Hell's Angels. Uh, wh- what would they gain from doing something like that? Do you do you know, have you heard of any of them being like, why is it so easy for people to assume that Hell's Angels are white supremacists? And even if they are, do you think they're going to set up this big Machiavellian plan to foment um, um, racial uh, hatred um, from blacks towards whites? Oh, your word score was going crazy there for a minute. He had Machiavellian and foment, and then you needed one more, and then you just were like, to start, you know? But uh, to initiate? If you had said instigate or something like that. Damn it. Damn. I'd have been like. Um, But do you think they're going to be doing that? Do you think that's their plan? No, it's not. I just, I, I have to see things when people talk about conspiracies like this. I need to see what the end game would be. What would it be? What are they looking for? Yeah, it's not like they go. Let's do this and hope for the best. Yeah, let's spark. Let's let's spark a riot and then just hope for the best. It's like, no, they would have a better plan. They'd be like, okay, this is this is what we're gonna do. And this is the result. It's not like let's just hope that uh, more white people get mad at black people and black people get mad at white people and then we have uh, discord in the. That's not nobody want. That's not but, a plan. But let's say they let's say that was their plan and it worked to uh, perfection. Then what? What's in it for yeah, them? That's what I'm saying. Then what? Yeah. Um, something, something, something. Make lots of dollars. <laughs> it's an underpants gnome problem from yeah. South Park. Yeah. So okay. So the investigator said the actions of Umbrella Man has has he's been come to know. Well, that was my that was my final question. Can you picture a lot of Hell's Angels? Not that you would know any. Can you picture a lot of them walking around with an umbrella? Just like you know, we need a prop for this. What would it be? Um, umbrella? Yeah, that could be, that could work. And and you know the Antifa their their signature is carrying around now lately is umbrellas. You know why though? That's to keep people videotaping. You know why? Because what that's doing. what the white supremacist uh, Hell's Angels guy taught them how to do. 
shit. See? The plan has come together. He trapped them. Do you know why it is? The Hells Angels have invested heavily in an umbrella factory. And Trump. And I can prove that. And Trump. They're going to start selling Trump umbrellas. (laughs) You watch. Trump umbrella. You watch it. They're going to make billions when they corner the umbrella market. Okay. So this is some more quotes. Um, This was the first fire that set off a string of fires and looting throughout the precinct and the rest of the city, Sergeant Erica Christensen claims, in a search warrant affidavit. So what's the search warrant? Who who are they search warranting? I I don't know. I do think it was the first fire because it was the auto zone. Yeah. And that burned. But again, this goes back to my thing about I think this is where liberals show their uh, racism, white liberals show their racism more so than anything else. Because what they're saying is these black people who are rioting down there, and there were white people there too, but they they take away they any... They took their cues from They're the, taking from the any guy. agency they have yeah. to make their own decisions because they said, well, you know, we weren't going to burn anything, but then the auto zone started on fire, so fuck it, light it all up. Yeah. Like they can't think for themselves. Like they're not moral enough to make their own decisions because if they were that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened see what i mean yeah but the the point is they you can't say they're uh moral and just and all these things and someone started a fire so therefore they started a fire uh mpd spokesman john elder said that there are no charges filed at this time and uh the, this remains an open and active investigation in which we will. I don't know. Cut it out, Crow. I'm, I'm, I can't figure out why my computer's doing this. We'll be unable to comment. So there's no charges filed. It's all speculation. Um, somebody from a. Uh, what, who was it? The, the arson team or whatever? Arson okay. unit or something said that this, this, this was what happened. It's like the, this, the same kind of shit that goes on with the uh, hoax hate. Or someone someone says that they were, you know, someone created a noose and hung it in their front yard. It turns out they did it. Or spray painted swastikas on their garage, and it turns out they did it. It's like this is the, this is, seems to me like the same kind of shit. It was just an antifa piece of shit, and they're trying to put the blame on somebody else. Yeah, that's all it is. Yep. So, I do give uh, some props to the black guy who was trying to chase him down. Like, what are you doing here? You well, know? did you hear about the uh, black Trump supporter that was stabbed by an antifa? Oh, out in front of a store? No, no, no. This is a different one. Um, God, I don't have it in front. I wish I had it in front of me. But um, so a black Trump supporter was at one of these if, um, events, one of these ride events. Uh, an Antifa guy came up and stabbed him in the uh, in the in the stomach, in the side. Um, and it turns out the Antifa guy that did it was a convicted pedophile. And the crowd of Antifa that were there and saw it happen or witnessed it actually chased the guy down, beat the shit out of him, dragged him to the police, and let the, had the police arrest him. Really? Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah, good for them. But, I mean, all kinds of mixed messaging going on with this anti- <laughs> the fuck are you guys doing? You know, you got a black guy stabbed by a white pedo who's Antifa, getting beaten up by, by, by his fellow Antifa, and then getting dragged to police who they fucking hate. To do to, to get rid of, I mean, they're all like, take him to the police, take him to the police. Don't you guys want to get rid of the police? What the fuck would you do otherwise? Well, they'd probably just murder him. Well, I can hear people being critical of this saying, uh, not literally, I'm figuratively hearing them say, uh, you know, well, how do you know that guy was a pedo if you're not willing to buy that the the other guy wasn't a Hells Angel white supremacist? He got booked. Okay. My point is, 
that's the case. He got booked for it, and you understand. He's got a record. He's He's got all of that. So, But there are too many people who want to just dismiss that out of hand and say, well, you don't know that. Yeah, I actually do. And here's why. I'm looking it up right now real quick. The uh, pedo Yeah, okay, antifa? here we go. Washington, Washington Examiner has an article on it. A white man with alleged Antifa ties in Portland has been charged with stabbing a black Trump supporter. Blake Hamp, 43, was arrested Saturday night during a riot after allegedly stabbing a black conservative videographer named Drew Duncombe during a violent protest during the, uh, near the city's federal courthouse. Duncombe, who goes by the name Black Rebel, posted a series of videos on Twitter about the incident alleging that Hampe, H-A-M-P-E, was a member of the violent anti-fascist activist group Antifa. Still in the hospital after being stabbed in the lower back flank by an Antifa pedophile, Duncombe treated tweeted along with a link to a crowdfunding account to raise money for his hospital bills and they show he shows the stab wound it's i mean it went it went in <laughs> it was a, a blade that went straight in i mean it wasn't like a slice it was a stab right into Ugh. his right into his back uh and there's there's video of like the incident doesn't show the stabbing it's it's too kind of occluded but there's um there's video of them chasing him down and and beating beating him um video of the attack quickly surfed online surfaced online that show the man appearing to be hemp who has the same name as new hampshire man convicted of, for possessing child pornography attacking duncombe while others eventually pry him away and hold him down until police police arrive well they don't they actually dragged him to the police line to get arrested from what i saw and then yeah now there's a picture of the guy yeah he looks like a little fucking pedo he's a 43 year old with a child porn conviction arrested and charged with felony assault accused of stabbing a black conservative. He was beaten by the crowd and dragged to the police. There are pictures of him with Jeffrey Epstein? Probably. So, yeah. But, you know, that's something, another thing that you don't see in the mainstream media. That that would be all over the media in nonstop coverage if the reverse were true. But the thing is, the reverse can't be true. It never is true. <laughs> I would think the media would be like, look, Antifa did grab this guy, you know? Yeah. Trying to make him look good. So, so well, that's about it. I think I ran through all the 10 topics I had. Real really? Fast. Yeah. Wow, that's not bad. Yeah, I, I said we'd have to fly through these <laughs> pretty fast. We did fly through them. So. Um, did you see the? I mentioned it at the beginning. Did you see the uh, Google testimony? Uh, not the tech testimony. I didn't. Um, it was really interesting to me because I did expect that uh, it was going to be just like these always are: one side one way, another side the other. Uh, you know, all the conservatives, all the Republicans were going after all of these. It was uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, Tim, whatever, from Apple. Uh, Jeff Bezos testifying for the first time in front of Congress. He's been asked to come before, wouldn't do it. Uh, Jack Dorsey? No, no Jack Wasn't Dorsey. Uh, who's it? Uh, I think it's uh, Matt Christensen who was saying that, or no, it might have been Sticks Hexenhammer was saying Jack Dorsey's sort of sour because he's not as rich as all these other guys. He's not a multi-billionaire. He's just a billionaire. So, um, and then, uh, and he is probably still on his worldwide life quest for knowledge or whatever he's going around. Um, and then uh, the guy from Google, I can't remember his name, but they had. Zuckerberg? No, Zuckerberg's Facebook. Oh, yes. So Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg Bezos. Uh, Who was it? Zuckerberg, Bezos, Tim Cook. Okay, got it. And then the guy from Google. Mm-hmm. 
and they were, uh, you know, getting after him about, hey, you're, you're censoring, uh, you're censoring uh, Republicans, and they said, no, no, we're not, blah blah blah. And uh, Jim Jordan was fast becoming my spirit animal at this point. Was really giving it to him over some of the stuff. Had some great, great evidence. Um, but then I was surprised to see the left going after them too, like going after them hard. Not for the same stuff. Certainly not for uh, censoring. Um, uh, conservatives, but the left firmly firmly believes that they're being censored somehow, and that that somehow these tech companies are helping Trump. But my point is, it doesn't seem anybody likes these tech companies. Yeah, the only uh, one that really gave him a softball, and I didn't see all of it, was this. Uh, is it Jim Sensenberger? I think he's a. Uh, Democrat, I can't remember from where, but he asked Jeff Bezos, he said, so if we break you up like we did with the phone company, you wouldn't be a one-stop shop anymore. So people would have to go one place for their groceries and one place for their books and another for this, another for that. He goes, is that true? And Jeff Bezos goes, yeah. He's like, okay, thank you. And he moves on to his next softball question. Stop it. That's actually good. That'd be good, though. I, I don't want monopolies. I know. Well, and then not only is Google a monopoly... Um, or Amazon, sorry. Well, yes, both. Um, but the, all these tech companies, even though they don't share, um, you know, share the bottom line, right? They don't have a shared bank account amongst them. They still collude with each other. It's obvious and blatant what they're doing. Uh, a good example is these this, these doctors that went to the state capitol to talk about how hydroxychloroquine works. Mm -hmm. And they as soon as that came out, it was a huge success. This video was like live streamed and close to twenty million views. A lot of people are watching it on Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, whatever you know, some other sites. And immediately after that, within I don't know how it was, it was very quickly, uh, it was all taken down. All the accounts. Uh, Trump tweeted, uh, his son tweeted, his son was locked out of his account. Trump's tweet was uh, taken out. Um, anybody that mentioned anything about these doctors that said hydroxychloroquine was good were erased well, by everybody now twitter uh, yep. linkedin facebook uh google whatever matt christensen did his yeah, i was um, gonna mention that he did his a he did a video on it mm -hmm. and they dropped his video so he went back and had to censor out hydroxychloroquine not only time. did he had to censor out hydroxychloroquine he had to uh, um, obscure the faces of the doctors and in change the video their voices and like alter their voices because he was afraid that the algorithm would catch that he's playing their video of their of their speeches on yeah. the capitol and that they would get rid of it. and he's not wrong um and so this is like a soup i mean well, this is a monopoly these even though they're like he said they're not sharing a bank account or whatever they're not sharing money they they are they are colluding together in order to put forth their own political agenda. Well, they asked Mark Zuckerberg about that video specifically, and he said, you know, we don't want to be the arbiters of truth. You then know? leave it up. Yeah, leave it up. And he said, but, you know, we also don't want to disseminate uh, a blatant misinformation. And he says, we don't want people to run out and take hydroxychloroquine and get sick. Ooh. Now, that's very possible because you. you can get it. And somebody goes to take a fistful of these things and gets a toxic dose. You can do that with aspirin. You can get a fucking toxic dose of water. Right. So so what about the people who could use hydroxychloroquine? And I'm, I'm a firm believer that this probably treats a certain amount of people who get COVID. It's probably not great for every case. Like you might be too early in your um, – in your, uh, gestation of the virus, probably not the right word to use, 
or too late in it. But let's just say there's 20% of people that can help. And so he's saying if people go out and take it when they don't need it and it makes them sick, we don't want to have that. Okay, but what about the ones that could save? And yep. you're and you're you're making you're basically disappearing this entire medication. And there's medical professionals, a bunch of them that are talking on this. They're all wrong. They're all quacks. There might be one quack in the group, and then you're tarring every. She, she was a quack. Of course she is. But the thing is, uh, but she's a woman of color, uh, an immigrant, and you can't. You should, they, the left shouldn't silence her. But um, well, she does talk about having. Uh, if you have dreams where you have sex with demons, that can cause you problems. Yeah. So I'm thinking if you you have problems if you're having yeah, dreams they, you're having they, sex with they demons. Maybe should have kept her out of the line. But anyways. <laughs> but everybody else was very reasonable. Yeah, and and they all had, and she, even she has credentials. Even she has credentials, and she has experience as a doctor. Well, you could say, hey, she got her medical degree in Nigeria, so maybe that doesn't count the same. But she has a lot of experience with hydroxychloroquine because they have a lot of malaria there, and hydroxychloroquine is the malaria drug. Yeah. So she's given it to thousands of patients. And there's a doctor I was listening to, and Glenn Beck was talking about how the these countries that have slums and, and that aren't technologically advanced in Africa and in, I can't remember the other place she was talking about. It was a, another, it was like a, maybe an Indian um, country. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, uh, here's, she's saying the cases of deaths are lower than those in the countries, the European countries that don't have or, or banned access to hydroxychloroquine. And the, the reason is, is because their people are still allowed to take that hydroxychloroquine as a treatment and it's keeping them from dying. She goes, so, and she said that that's, you actually are causing deaths by not allowing people, doctors to decide to prescribe it. Yeah. And you let the doctor describe, uh, um, decide and that they're not, they're bad. They're saying doctors can't even prescribe this. Doctors are getting in trouble. They say you can't prescribe this. Well, it's, a, it's about as safe a drug as you can get. Well, do you want to hear something really scary? And I will admit this. I won't even use the word evidence. This is all sort of hearsay. But um, if any of this is true, it's sort of disturbing. Real close friend of mine, known for a long time, was getting his car fixed. And the guy driving him from, you know, the place, they didn't have a loaner car. So someone picked him up and it was a guy from the shop. And this guy is telling him, he's a retired guy. And he says, yeah, they get to talking about COVID and all this stuff. And he says, my daughter works in a hospital on the border between these two states and uh, says that she's a nurse and was told by the hospital, don't talk about COVID with anybody. And it wasn't just, hey, if the media shows up and wants to ask questions, it's like, don't talk about it at home. Don't talk about it with your family. Just don't talk about it. Let the media handle this. We'll stick to what we know. If that's true... At all. And admi I'm admittedly saying this is friend of a friend of, you know, kind of thing. So it's dubious. But if that's true, and this friend of mine has no reason to lie to me, maybe the guy who was talking to him was lying to him. But if if that's true, that's chilling stuff. Yeah. You know? And I just get the feeling that there's a lot of information that they're just trying hard not to give us. Yeah. And it's and I feel like it's because of the whole election thing. And if you want to put on your conspiracy hat, go have at it. And because with this, the whole hydroxychloroquine thing, there is a conspiracy. I just don't know what it is. The conspiracy, and I don't know who's who's pulling it off. I think I know what the conspiracy but is. But there's a conspiracy to stop this drug from being used. 
which would be effective. I think that is to a certain degree. I think the and I don't know if they're trying to stop it from being used. They're trying to scrub any mention of it in case it's working. But um, I think this is all about the election. This is all about making Trump look bad. I'm sick and tired of people saying he mishandled the uh, the epidemic. How? How did he mishandle yeah. it? Show me the path that would have done something else. You can say, well, you had to shut everybody in and you had to put masks on. We know that wasn't going to happen. And even if you did, Texas still has – the Dems love to tell you that Texas's numbers are still going up. Infection. Because numbers. they're a red state. They've had masks for three and a half weeks now. Yeah. Everywhere you go. Well, and it's not stopping it. And they, they love pointing out uh, cherry picking different countries, but there's countries like Japan who has masks, has had masks before this. They, they were a mask nation. China was a mask nation before. And they this. locked everybody down. Yeah. And, and they're trying to compare things, apples and oranges also, but also they're not saying a lot of these countries that have the masks, their infection rates are still there. They're not, they're not going away. People are still getting infected with these masks. And, and, and they go, well, you know, but the rates are this, that, and the other, and the and we're, we're keeping the uh, the emergency rooms uh, from beginning overwhelmed. It's all bullshit. It's all, it's all like moving the goalposts and changing the, you know, changing, um, trying to erase the past and say, no, we didn't say that. Well, and, you know, there may be, like in Florida, I know that uh, their emergency rooms were full for a while. But it turns out 20, 20%, per, 20% of those cases were COVID. Yeah. The other 80% were non-COVID related. So, I, and everybody to some degree does this with any story they're given. But I just, I, I think this is all about trying to make Trump look as bad as possible. That's why they keep floating this stuff about he's not going to leave the White House. Well, seriously, if Trump would have came out and said, mm, don't take hydroxychloroquine. It's gonna, it's gonna hurt. You. It's, it's got a lot of issues. It can cause all kinds of heart issues. It can cause, it can actually be worse than, than, than the disease. So don't take it. Do you, th- what do you think would happen? They would have said, "This is a cheap drug. Trump is selling out to big pharma." Yeah, yeah. and they would have been promoting it. This drug costs a dollar. And don't tell me that wouldn't, that would have happened. Oh, absolutely. So, that's just like Nancy Pelosi calling it the Trump virus. Yeah. Like no serious person believes that lady. Yeah. So. All right, we're way over. As usual. Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, it's email. It's rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And look us up on the Bread and Circuses Facebook page. Like, share, comment, all of that. See you, bye. Mm-hmm.